0: Do you ever feel like um, a babe in the woods? Um, you think that, that you know God and, and, and that over the years and some of you decades um, that you know everything there is to know about him and then you discover you know nothing about him. I think in a way that's one of the great affirmations of my life that he is God is that, that every time I think that I'm getting to know him, he astounds me. He overwhelms me. I think that's true also um, for prayer. I, I'd like to think, after all this time of walking with Jesus, that I've gotten to that place where where I know how to how to even converse with him, and, and then he reveals so much more. And I, I think God, I don't even know how to pray. I wanted to do something different um, in worship today. I wanted um, to pull back, if I could, the curtains on Jesus' relationship with His Father, and uh, and instead of me leading us in prayer, just witness a prayer of Jesus with a prayerful heart. Is that is that possible? So, what's happening is that our our time of prayer and our scripture are merging today. Because in John 17, we have this intimate conversation between the Son and the Father. We have this infinite, in, in, intimate conversation between, b- between the Savior, right? And the living God. And if we could... I'd just like to allow his prayer to be ours. Here this morning, the prayer of Jesus to his heavenly father from John chapter 17. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Father, I glorified you on earth. I accomplished the work that you gave me to do. The words that you gave me. And they have received them father. And have come to know. In truth that I came from you. And they have believed. That you sent me. So I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world. But for those whom you have given me. For they are yours. All mine. Are yours. And yours father are mine and I am glorified in them and I am no longer in the world but they are in the world and I'm coming to you holy father keep them in your name which you have given me that they may be one even as we are one while I was with them I kept them in your name which you have given me I guarded them and not one of them has been lost Accept the son of destruction so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now, Father, I'm coming to you. And these things I speak in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled in them. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them. Because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world. I don't ask, Father, that you take them out of the world. But that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world. So sanctify them, Father. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And as you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them. Into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. And Father, I don't ask for these, my disciples only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory you have given me, I have given to them. That they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be perfectly one. So that the world may know that you sent me. So that the world may know that you loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. To see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. Oh, righteous Father. Even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. The very word of God. Wow, wow. Our second scripture today comes from Revelation. A very familiar passage now to us after our study of Revelation. But I just wanted to remind you of it again today. Revelation chapter 7, beginning in verse 9. We're talking about a vision for the harvest over these days. And today, especially, we're talking about a vision of God's glory. A vision of God's glory. And and Jesus just gave us an amazing one through his prayer to the Father. But we saw in Revelation 7 uh, a vision that Jesus gave John. And it was a beautiful vision. After this, John says, I looked. And behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And they were crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels that were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen, so be it. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Shall we add our amen to theirs? Amen. The very word of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Oh, wow, wow. We've talked over the last uh, couple days just about about great prayers, right, of Jesus. And I invite you to dig deep, or great prayers in the Bible. I invite you to dig deep. Um, We we looked at one from Colossians chapter 1. I invite you to explore Ephesians chapter 1 and and Ephesians chapter 3. There's countless beautiful prayers. In scripture that just help us. When we come to that place where we've encountered God. And we go, I I don't know how to talk to you God. Um, There's brothers and sisters that have gone before us. That help us know how to do that. But if I were to ask you. What is the greatest prayer in the Bible? What would you say, right? Most of us would probably um, go to what we call the Lord's Prayer. And, And certainly that is an astounding prayer thy kingdom come right thy will be done on earth. that's just an amazing an amazing prayer but that wasn't really the lord's prayer was it it was the disciples prayer jesus is thinking um, how do how do i give them in just a few words a way to access This intimacy that I have experienced with with the Father from before the foundation of the world, that that I have experienced with the Holy Spirit from before the foundation. How do I help them access that? I'll give them these words, not just to become a rote thing that they say once a week or once a day. Um, I've shared with you before when I first said I better get my spiritual act together. I had not yet met Jesus. I just what what spiritual thing can I do? I'll start praying the Lord's Prayer. I'm not diminishing that. I, I met the Lord in, to a certain extent through that prayer. But what I want to suggest to you here is that is that maybe this is the greatest prayer of scripture. And it's the only time that you know all we have seen Jesus would go off or to a private place to pray right but we never knew what he was saying to God in here the, the curtain is pulled back and we, we just get to see several things. We get to see the heart of Jesus, uh, for, for his disciples. We get to see, um, the intimacy of the Son with the Father. We get to, we get to, almost like voyeurs, look into this relationship. John 17, I think, is the greatest prayer recorded anywhere in Scripture. And possibly, well, <laughs> Uh, not possibly and pr- and very much the greatest prayer probably ever prayed on earth on earth and so we have to approach John seventeen we have to approach um, this prayer with humility right but also worship but also worship right for in this prayer we're privileged to listen in on an intimate conversation between two members of the trinity on the eve of the greatest victory the world has ever known what the heck am i talking about it's always good isn't it when you're looking at a passage to look at the context around it right this prayer happened on on thursday evening the 24 hours before jesus less than 24 hours before he would be crucified We're not sure exactly where this prayer, somewhere between the upper room and the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed this prayer in front of his disciples for them to experience it, right? But right before he began praying, the end for us in John 16, Jesus said these words, These things I have said to you, that in you, you might have peace. In the world, that, he'll use that word world 19 times in that prayer that I read for you. he used use the word world 19 times. In the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have courage. I have overcome the world. I will overcome the world. I am overcoming. I have overcome the world so contrary to our popular culture right jesus is saying i am not a victim here of the world of the evil one i am not a victim i am the victor i am the victor right I am an overcomer. Do you remember when we were studying the churches of Revelation, right? Virtually every one. I think six out of the seven churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant, Jesus says, right? He wasn't asking us to do something that he's not already done. He has overcome. What he's inviting us into is the kind of relationship with the living God that overcomes every challenge of our own flesh, of the world, of the evil one right he 's inviting us to join him as an overcomer, so I want to invite you. Um, I have been privileged for several months now to be anticipating this this passage i 've been privileged especially over the last week to immerse myself in it every time i mean I, I was trying to do my work ahead of time every time I come to it, even this morning. There's, there's new and fresh things. But I want to give you just a couple of handles and trust that as you go back in, some of you in the next hour, as you go back in and, and look carefully at this, this intimate prayer of Jesus, that God will speak to you about who you are in him, about his glory, about how the world will use you, excuse me, how God will use you to reveal his glory To the world. So, we're going to do a little bit of mechanics here for a little bit and try and unpack this just enough to give you handles so that you can immerse yourself in it in the hours and days ahead. But there's a progression in this prayer that I'd like you to see. Again, our context today is we want to get a vision for God's glory, but where better to go than. To the one who is the exact representation of his glory, where better to go than to Jesus, right? So first, Jesus prays for himself in John seventeen verses one through five. What did he pray, right? You'll see today that that I'll, I'll try and push, I'll push you a little bit. We won't just get facts, but then we'll ask ourselves hard questions like, like why, why did he do that, and and what was the purpose of that. He prayed for himself that the Father would glorify Jesus. And then the question why, right? That sounds kind of odd. We have a we have a very confused understanding of glory, and even sometimes a negative one. Why would Jesus pray that the Father would glorify him for the same reasons? That God grants us crowns, right? That one day we may cast those crowns before him. God asked, excuse me, Jesus asked God to glorify him. God the Father to glorify him so that he might glorify the Father. Now keep in mind this is less than 24 hours before the cross. Jesus clearly sees the cross on the horizon, right? He clearly sees what that will mean for him to glorify the cross. I glorify God on the cross. And so many of us go, well, God must not love him because God led him to the cross. God must not love me because he's leading me through these trials. I think of our precious sister, you know, again, I just overwhelmed 57 years with David, right? 57 years. And, 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 and now, now he's gone. Now he's not with her. And we just reminded ourselves, for those of you whose hearts are resonating right now with that kind of loss. We just reminded ourselves: Jesus promises to be our husband. I will be a husband to you. Is that Isaiah fifty-four? Yeah, I will be a husband to you. Right there, there is a journey for Jane that takes her to this cross. Right there's a burden for her to carry that that. Uh, is hers alone, but but will take her into an intimate relationship with the glory of God. So Jesus prays for Himself that the Father would glorify Him, so that He could glorify the Father. How would Jesus glorify? Remember, we're going to ask ourselves those hard questions just to go deeper. How would He do that? Well, a couple of clues are given right here in the passage. In seventeen two, we learn that that Jesus. Would, be, would exercise authority over every human being, right? How would Jesus glorify? By exercising authority over every human being. Now I say that with poignancy because in some sense that's a joyful authority, right? As As people surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ. But make no mistake, whether you surrender in this life or not, One day, every knee will bow, right? And every tongue will confess. One day, everyone will experience the authority of Jesus. The sweet invitation of God is to surrender to that authority now, right? So that it's a joyful surrender and not a a breaking or a judgment. One way that he would glorify the Father was by exercising authority over every human being. Another way would be by granting eternal life. By the way, way, another word, glory, world, and another word that appears over and over again in this prayer is give. Give, right? One way that Jesus would glorify God was by giving eternal life to everyone whom the Father had given him. He was so conscious that there were some who walked with them who were not given to him, right? Right? Um, God had a holy purpose in that. But to everyone who the Father gave him, he gives eternal life. I uh, don't want you to be confused. There is an aspect where you must come to that place where you say, my life is yours. The very thing we sang earlier, right? I surrender to you. But even in that act of free will, of surrendering to God, you come to the saving knowledge that that before you ever surrendered, God gave you to Jesus. God gave you to Jesus. So one of the aspects of that is exercising authority. One of the ways that the Father is glorified in the Son is by whom he gives eternal life to. But what is? Here's another question. Let's go deeper. What is eternal life? It's to know. It's to experience joy. That's going to come back in a little while. Joy. In God the Father and in Jesus Christ. I want to move us, and, and we have together before, but I want to remind you that we do, the knowledge in the Bible is not an intellectual ascent. It's not, it's not like human knowledge. Knowledge in the, in the Bible is the experience of someone. Adam knew Eve and they had a baby. They experienced that intimacy. God wants you to experience that intimacy with Him. And and one of the blessings of that kind of intimacy is that you get to experience the same joy that Jesus experienced in the presence of the Father. Wow. So to exercise authority, to give eternal life, but for Jesus to glorify God, as we saw last week, meant also in verse four to accomplish the work that God gave Him to do. Um, I'm, I'm stumbling here right just for a second because some of us jump right to that. Okay, God, if I just do these things, right, then then somehow that will be and and and. We become human doings instead of human beings, right? Others of us are saying, no, I'm not going to um, uh, be works-oriented. I'm going to be relationship-oriented. I want to feel, God, that intimacy. But it's both, beloved. It's not, you can't separate the doing from the being, right? Um, it's, it's both that, that, yes, we get to experience the intimacy of that personal relationship with God, but he also has given us works to do, right? The very same passage which outlines for us how we are saved. It is by grace that we are saved, right? Not works, but but grace, right? So that no one can boast. And then the next verse, 2.10, says, um, God has given us good works to do, right? That only can be accomplished in him. So, so... um, Part of the way that Jesus glorified the Father was by accomplishing the work that God gave him to do. Now, in this series, in this vision series, uh, Vision for the Harvest, we're going to be exploring that. And and there's both a general uh, understanding that God has given us, beloved, us, as individuals as families as a church body as a part of the capital c church of jesus christ god also has given us work to do not time to sit on our hands right it's it's not time to be to just uh, withdraw from the world it's time to engage the world so so um jesus glorified god so that um uh, God glorified Jesus so that Jesus could return that and glorify God through exercise of authority, through giving of eternal life, through accomplishing the works. That's just some of the things that are mentioned here in this passage. But then it was so beautiful. So the first thing, Jesus prayed for himself. Um, and and those of you who feel guilty when you pray for yourself, stop. Stop. God loves you, right? And, and, and wants to meet your needs. But Jesus is praying... Not just for his physical needs. In fact, he didn't pray at all for his physical needs. He prayed for God's purpose for his life. But the second major section of this prayer, 17, verse 6 through 19, Jesus prayed for his disciples. And this, I could be wrong in this, but my understanding of this is that he's praying for the 12 who were with him. Probably many more than 12, but at least the 12 that were with him, who had walked with him, who had been with them. He prays very specifically that the Father would keep them, He says, "I have kept them, right, and I've not lost any of them, except the one you intended to betray you." I I have kept them in Your name. Now, Father, as I return to You, You keep them, would You? You keep them. Verse eleven, in My name, in Jesus' name, You keep them. In verse fifteen from the very evil one who thought he had won the victory by Jesus' crucifixion. Father, keep them in my name. Keep them from the evil one. And Father, even beyond that, sanctify them in truth. Sanctify them. This word means to make holy. God, they're broken people living in a broken world. They... they, speak with unclean lips and they live among people of unclean lips. I, Isaiah's vision of the glory of God in Isaiah 6, right? You make them holy, Father, through your word in truth. Oh, I wish I could just press pause right here and spend the rest of our time on this. Um, where is your source of truth, beloved? Is it is it in... The popular opinion is if there's 51% of the people in the United States that believe this, does that make it true, right? Um, we're a poll oriented society. No, your word, Jesus said, is truth, right? We're going we're gonna to anchor ourselves in the truths of God's word. And, and never in my brief lifetime have I seen the truth so much at risk, right? Never have I seen a world that openly and blatantly denied the truths of God's scripture. Like we're seeing here. And even, even persecuting those who hold to it. So, so Jesus prayed for his disciples that the Father would make them holy. He would sanctify them in truth through his word. Right? And then, and then he prays something that he's going to pray for us in a moment. He prays that these, this little reckless band may be one, right? That they could hold together. We have spirited discussions in our elder board um, about different things. And I love that. I love that. And oftentimes I'm the spirited one. i oftentimes I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little hot under the collar or something, right? You know, but at the end of the day. When, we're, when we've prayed through it, when we've sought the counsel of one another, um, we're one. And even if it, the outcome was not what I might have wanted or someone else might have won, wanted, through the Holy Spirit's un, united us, we become one and we stand as one. And so he prayed, oh, Father, this is going to be ugly in these next uh, few days. Keep them, Father. Make them holy. Sanctify them in truth. But keep them as one. He prays for his disciples. I want to suggest to you that the third portion of this passage, John 17, 20 through 26, is, is what Jesus is praying. Did you catch that? And Now, Father, I'm praying for those who will believe through my disciples' word, right? through their testimony, through their lives. He was praying for the disciples of the disciples. This is some of the groundwork why we have, as our, as our motto here, we're making disciples who make disciples, right? Well, no, we're fulfilling Jesus' purpose for our life when there are people, not just professing faith in Jesus Christ, but living it, but becoming fully devoted followers, learners, in the Hebrew, people who are like Jesus, they're making people who are like Jesus, right? So in this third section, in verses 20 to 26, he prays for the disciples of the disciples. He prays for us, you and me. People that have believed because of someone's testimony about Jesus, who have believed because someone prayed for them and even fasted, withheld from their addictions, right? So that, so that somehow with clarity, people might come to understand that Jesus is God, right? He prays for us. What? Verse 21, that we might be unified. He continues that same thought, that the, not just, not just um, our church family but includes our church family but but the church of Jesus Christ might be unified in him why because when the world sees the unity of the church of Jesus christ when they see that unity they will believe that god sent jesus he said that like three times you thought like, are you repeating yourself i didn't i was just Reading his prayer, right? He said that over and over, that they will believe that you sent me. They will believe, Father, that you sent me, Jesus, into the world. But don't miss the second thing. It's tagged on like an end of a sentence here on, on the slide before you. So that the world might believe that the Father loves them as well. That the Father loves them when we are one and they see the love that binds us together they have the ability then to believe that that jesus was sent from god and that god loves them as well that's exactly my story i've shared my one minute testament i won't do it again here but but when I saw the unity, the love of a small group, how many students, a small group of students for one another, it was so counter to everything that I experienced that I, that, I, uh, that I had to have some of that, right? I had to have some of that. So Jesus prays that we might be one in him. he prays that we might one day share his glory. And and it's a double there. We might share his goodness, right? But also his radiance. My great prayer for my bride is that is that she would be radiant and, and for so long I, I I I beat myself about the head and shoulders because I, I'm I i was not making her radiant, right? In fact I was kinda tarnishing the the image. I, I wasn't doing what I was praying and and then just even the last couple of years, God reminded me, I can never make Karen radiant, right? Uh, I, can, I can serve her, I can love her, but God is the one that has to make her radiant. So, so God is the one who's going to share his glory, his radiance with her. Jesus prays that we might be unified. He prays that we might share his glory. He prays that we might be, there it is again, that we might be with Jesus. And I caught myself as I was even making these notes, I caught myself. I find myself so often praying that Jesus might be with me, right? Be with me, Jesus. I, I can't tell you how many times in my life I've prayed like Moses for his presence, not realizing all that while that that Jesus is praying that I would be with him, right? We go out into the world. We're not going to pray that Jesus goes with us. We're going to pray that we go to where he is in the world, right? We join him in what he is already doing. Jesus prayed that we might be with him and that we might experience the love of the Father as well. Not just the world would experience the love of the Father, but that we might experience, verse 26, the love of the Father, even as Jesus does. Are you getting a little different picture of the glory of God. The glory of God is so important in this prayer of Jesus. It appears eight times, eight times in this prayer. What does that tell us? What does that tell us? Worship team, if you come on up, I appreciate it. It tells us that Jesus' burden and therefore ours, right? Because we are Christians, we are Christ ones. We are followers of Jesus. Jesus' burden and therefore ours is the glory of God. That is our overarching purpose, that God would be glorified, right? So so if you're taking notes, our greatest purpose then... What, what is our greatest purpose? If I were to ask you that, good Presbyterians that you are, you would probably quote to me, uh, Westminster Shorter Catechism, question one, right? What's the chief end of humanity? What's the chief end of human beings, right? It's to glorify God, help me, and, and enjoy Him forever, right? Do you see those two things? Glory and joy—they're intimately tied together, right here. And, and so, if you say, "I'm not really experiencing the joy," right? And by the way, joy has nothing to do with circumstances; it has nothing to do with your emotional well-being. It's a spiritual dimension, right? Um, then we have to ask ourselves: Are we are we uh, are we touching on the other purpose? Are we are we accomplishing our greatest purpose for God to be glorified? I'm going to move fast, but how then? Is God going to be glorified in us? Well, his name and salvation are going to become known over all the earth. How can he be glorified in us? If we make his name, his nature, his character, and his salvation known over all the earth, right? Why? So that... His name will be worshipped. Remember Revelation 7-9? Every tribe and tongue, what are they doing? They're worshipping. They're worshipping the living God and Jesus Christ, His Son. That His name will be worshipped from the Malachi last week, from the rising of the sun to its setting by people from every tribe and tongue and nation. Every people group on earth will be, will be standing there with us worshipping His name. Why? So that... There will be a people from group of people around the throne worshiping for eternity. That there will there will be people from every group of people on earth around the throne. I dropped a word, every group of people around the throne worshiping God in heaven for eternity. How is that gonna happen? When we advance the kingdom of God into every group of people. Now, it, it, there's really helpful things to think about, unreached people, groups. We'll talk about that more in this series. There are places in the world like Tunisia. God bless you guys. We're praying for you weekly and many of us daily. We're praying for you. But like Tunisia, where less than 1% of the population has, has uh, surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ where a significant portion of the, of the population has not even heard of him, right? But, but you're not all called to go to Tanisha. That was and Kim's unique call. But, but God does have a call for you to represent him in the world. And, 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 and let's start together, maybe just across the street, right? Maybe in the firehouse next door or across the street in, in Vogel School or across the street over here in, in home after home after home. Where people have not yet surrendered to Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God will advance to every group of people in the world. And how will it advance when disciples, the very people that Jesus prayed for, make disciples? We'll talk about this more in the coming weeks. But when disciples who make, will make disciples in every group of people. Think about all the different people groups in our city. I think we counted one time. There's at least 27 um, people groups in this city. Every group of people has an opportunity to become a disciple of Jesus. And then in that group of people, disciples are multiplied. Why in the world would we do all this? Why would we want God's name to be glorified, his name and salvation to be known on all the earth, his name to be worshipped, so that there will be people from every group of people who are struck by the advancing kingdom of God, who are making disciples, who make disciples. Why would we do that? We would do that because we love Jesus. Amen? Because we love Jesus. And Jesus says, if you love me, you'll do what I ask. You'll obey me, right? We love Jesus and obey his commands so beloved i'd like to invite you into an amazing experience of the glory of god i'm smiling because in so many ways many of you have have experienced that already many of you have found your sweet spot that place that god has called you to serve him and and for some of you it's for many of you it's with the last and the least and the loss We've harped on that. I'm so grateful that God has called members from our midst to stand at the gates of hell, to, to uh, serve those who are incarcerated, to, to love the homeless, to care for the widows and orphans, to, to feed the hungry, all those things that, that a thousand years before Jesus uh, made clear were his priority. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that you're doing that. But let's be one. Let's all engage in the advancement of the kingdom. Oh, Father, is it possible that you could, could even now open our eyes, God, to the, to the things around us, our unique call, God, um, uh, for um, the personal ministries that you have set apart for us? But God, for us as a body of Christ as well, that you would open our eyes and and break our hearts with the things that break your heart, God. Um, Remove all the the safety measures that we have surrounded ourselves with, the the addictions that that keep us distracted. Remove all those things, God, until we see with your eyes, until we feel with your heart, until we become, God, the people of God that you desire us to be. I'll oh, make it true, God. For we ask it in Jesus' precious name.